AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. There are plenty of questions about how much progress is being made in using the Inflation Reduction Act to fund infrastructure projects. We'll get an update on that, and we'll talk WOTUS, the ability of Ukraine to produce a crop in 2023, and the Senate version of the Farm Bill. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. We have got a big show coming your way. First, we're going to talk with Karen Bonert about building some some labor loyalty on your dairy. We're going to have a conversation with Representative Sam Graves from Missouri, Dan Bossy from Reg Resource Company, and we'll wrap up the show today with Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas. And now, introducing me, Chip Flory. I'm your host. Glad that you're with us this morning, uh, and... Uh, Busy show, busy show, no question about it. Davis is uh, is out of the office here this morning. We'll be back with us as soon as he can. And uh, uh, in the meantime, we've got Michelle Rook joining us. Michelle, how are you? Hey, good morning, Chip. Good. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a little while since we've talked. What you December. been up to? December. Yeah, I didn't talk to you the whole month of January. Yeah. Um, Just the same old, same old, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just watching markets and well, trying to help farmers make decisions. Yep. When you're doing three market reports a day on eggweb.com, I, the same old, same old is keeps you pretty active, doesn't it? Yep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Have you picked up any trends from the, from the analysts that you're talking to? I think there's a lot of people still um, feeling like we're defining the odds here with Soybeans uh, taking out the January high well above $15 yesterday and still seeing meal above $500. So, yeah, yeah, that meal market is really uh, something to behold right now with the dry conditions in Argentina, you know, but you can't do it unless there's demand. Yeah, that's right. And if you look at our export pace, I think we're 2% above where we were last year at this time now. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. We're still doing good. You bet. You bet. Well, welcome, Michelle. Let's go ahead and get the news. What do you got? In other news, the Consumer Price Index was out this morning. That climbed to 6.4% in January from a year earlier. It is down from 65 in December, according to the Labor Department. Now, this is a closely watched measure of inflation, obviously. This marked the seventh straight month of cooling in annual inflation since peaking at 9.1% in June, the highest reading since 1981. It was a little bit above expectations, though, so the Dow kind of pulled back after that and has recovered now a little bit. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers says that markets, though, are too complacent that inflation has cooled to the point where the Fed might consider taking its foot off the monetary tightening pedal. Yeah. He says we're headed into what's likely to be a turbulent period. Yeah. Now, the U.S. is selling oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The Biden administration said yesterday it's selling 26 million barrels of oil. They said they don't want to do that, but it's in accordance with the budget mandate enacted in 
2015 for the current fiscal year. After the latest release, the reserve will drop to about 345 million barrels. That's the lowest level since 1983, and crude oil markets did take a little bit of a pullback yeah. on that. Yeah, absolutely. Down around 78, 75 yeah. in the front month WTI contract. That's about a buck 40 lower. And this is happening at a time when some lawmakers would rather see rebuild right. the SBR. So, right, we'd like to. Yep, absolutely. You bet. Uh, yesterday, Mexico did scrap their January 2024 deadline to ban GMO corn for animal feed and industrial use, but they retain plans to prohibit use of the grain for human consumption as well as the herbicide glyphosate. Mexico still plans to revoke and refrain from granting new authorizations for GMO corn for human consumption, which the decree defined as flour, dough, or tortillas made from the grain. Now, the National Corn Growers Association has pushed for an arbitration panel under USMCA on trade to settle the dispute, saying Mexico's plans violate the deal. Yeah, this is kind of a crazy situation, isn't it? I, we're, we're trying to figure out exactly where this is going to end up because it's going to have a major influence on, on our market going forward. Absolutely. Russia says sanctions are a barrier to the renewal of the Black Sea grain deal. They said it would be inappropriate to extend the deal unless sanctions affecting its agricultural exports are lifted and other issues are resolved. That deal does expire here, I believe, around, around March 18th. Mm -hmm. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said a new briefing today will give senators more information about three unknown objects that U.S. forces recently shot down after they entered a U.S. and Canadian airspace and were deemed to pose a threat to civilian aviation. He says Congress is going to conduct a careful bipartisan examination of the various incidents and also look into why U.S. authorities did not find these Chinese surveillance balloons sooner. Yeah. Meanwhile, China is issuing or has issued its annual role policy blueprint known as the number one document, and the council reiterated its recently stated goal to post or boost grain production capacity by 50 million metric tons from the current production of more than 650 million metric tons. And USDA tapped the first $850 million out of $19.5 billion Congress approved for additional conservation program spending over five years. Meanwhile, uh, President Biden has restarted $10 billion or the $10 billion tax credit for clean energy makers. It is the popular tax credit for manufacturing of solar panels, wind panels, fuel cells, and other clean energy equipment after getting a $10 billion infusion from the climate and tax law. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Michelle, thank you so much. You uh, we'll talk to you later. You All right. Let's bring in Karen Bonert, the editor at Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Chip. Hey, all right. So, so we've talked about labor issues several times, but you've got a story on dairyherd.com that's a little different than I've heard before. Tell us about it. Well, you know, Chip, I tell my kids half of success is showing up, and I know that this rings true with labor. Show up and you get the day started on the right foot. Well, one Wisconsin dairy eliminates the worry if employees are going to show up or not. They instilled a ride-share program, that incentive, which is an incentive, excuse me, that their employees really have come to enjoy. So they employ about 40 uh, people altogether. They work 12-hour shifts. And so with the farm not providing housing, most of their employees live a few miles away. 
And many of the employees only have one vehicle per household. So if they drive to work, it puts the household in a bind. So with this program, it, the employees don't have to worry about gas chip. They don't have to worry if they have a reliable vehicle. Yeah. The farm covers majority of the costs, but the employees who use this service do have a small deduction to take out of their paycheck. So obviously to offer a rideshare program, it has to be a 365-day commitment. Yeah. And so they have an employee's wife and her sister, brother-in-law, that helps get employees to and from work. And it's just yeah. something that they've really enjoyed. Of course, being on time is a must. They're not going to yep. sit and wait for them to get there. But they do a lot of other things, too. It's all about cultivating a positive culture, which we've talked about, which helps with retention. But they also celebrate employees' birthdays, host a Christmas party, provide okay. a holiday bonus, and have a summer picnic. So it's a really cool story. Yeah. It certainly is. And, you know, about this being on time, if you're late, the whole group is late and nobody wants that to be on them. You know, nobody, you're always playing catch up. If you start off late, yep. you're always playing catch up on a dairy. Yep, that's that's right. So uh, plenty of incentive to be ready when the bus comes and get your ride to work. All right. Good stuff, Karen. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chip. All right. Uh, that is Karen Bonert. Farm Journal Milk. Learn more about that at www.dairyherd.com. All right. We've got Sam Graves next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Davis has got the uh, got at least the morning off, maybe the day off. We'll have you see how things go for him. Uh, just a heads up, uh, we're, we're dealing with some technical issues, and I know that that uh, Big Apple Joe Stackler is scrambling to make this connection with Representative Sam Graves from Missouri. Let's see if we've got Congressman Graves with us. Are you there, Congressman? Ah, doesn't sound like he is. Joe, have we got an update there? So oh. we have it. This is uh, as... as um prehistoric as it gets um i'm trying to think of a better way to make this work for everybody give me about a, a couple minutes chip okay all right very good very good we'll uh 
we'll make that happen for you. So uh, we've got represent. And hey, isn't technology great? Technology is awesome when it works, and when it doesn't work, it just kind of leaves you hanging. And uh, of course, it happens on a day when when uh, Davis is, is uh, has to be gone for a little bit. Um, so we've got Representative Sam Graves is on the line. We appreciate his patience, and we're going to get to Representative Graves as soon as we can. Uh, there's plenty going on that we need to talk about with with Representative Graves. And number one on the list is WOTUS. The, uh, uh, Representative Graves is the chairman of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and, and dealing with the waters of the U.S. is is absolutely top of the list uh, for Representative Graves. A couple of things that I am curious about, and it, we've, we have talked about some of this before, but for EPA to walk back the final rule after we had a rule in place that was well-received, by the stakeholders in in those that deal with, with with issues like the waters of the U.S., it was well received by farmers, by landowners, uh, by all of those that might be impacted by how the 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 waters of the U.S. is defined or are defined. Um. To have the the EPA walk back something that was as well received as it as it was is is concerning. Uh, it, it turns back into an overreach. It turns back into uh, an an agency that is looking to maybe maybe uh, you know implement law rather than than um, just or I should say interpret law rather than than just implement that law. So. We're trying to figure out exactly what is going on on that, and there's another uh, twist to the to the whole thing, and that is that the Supreme Court of the United States is looking at the case Sackett versus EPA, which will go along all of the 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 major commodity groups that that I've talked to about this all indicate that they expect that Sackett versus the U.S. is going to help them finalize what or put put an end to the uncertainty over what defines a water of the U.S. They've they've heard the case. The decision is coming by June and EPA got out in front of the Supreme Court decision in an effort to influence how the the waters of the U.S. and the Clean Water Act is going to be uh, enforced, enforced going forward, instead of waiting for this, what is expected to be a precedent-setting case in determining the definition of the waters of the U.S. So, it's not that often that I advocate or would suggest that EPA punts on anything because I'd rather get the final decision ASAP and move forward from that. But in this case, when you've got the Supreme Court that is is uh, uh, 
passing judgment on a precedent-setting case, why not wait? Why not wait? It's not like the EPA is all that worried about deadlines. <laughs> we've we've proven that multiple times over the years. So to to issue this quote unquote final rule at this time is is uh, um, is a little baffling, a little baffling, and and hopefully we can get Representative Graves on here and get some kind of a determin determination and some perspective on that as well. Um, another issue that I I feel like is a, a top of the top of the the mind uh, uh, issue, and it's making headlines more and more. Is that train derailment in Ohio? What exactly is going on with that? Uh, has has the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee been given a uh, uh, a briefing from Transportation Secretary Buttigieg on exactly how or what has happened and how we're going to uh, to deal with the situation the situation going forward. Not only that, how bad? How bad is it? How uh, you know? You see the social media reports and you think that you, you and it sounds like it's another Chernobyl. Uh, you look to the media for for coverage, and it's kind of tough to find on one hand. On the other hand, you know, you think about it, this is exactly the kind of thing that mainstream media loves to cover. It's got fear in it. It's got, uh, it, it's got uh, uh, consequences for American citizens in it. This is the thing that mainstream media lives for, to get coverage of. If it was as bad as what it is being indicated on social media, I would think the mainstream media would be all over it. Uh, it, it, it just it, it's got that uh, it's got that flavor to it. So what exactly is going on with the train derailment in Ohio and the burning off of some of those toxic chemicals uh, is is really, really baffling to me. I've reached out to a couple of people over in Ohio looking for some feedback on it. I'm having a hard time getting any feedback on it. And uh, it's something that that I think we need to continue to pursue, and we're going to. We're going to continue to try to find out exactly what's going on there. And then finally, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, this, is the, this is the huge bill, trillion-dollar bill, that was passed more than a year ago now that uh, it, it – it uh, provides it it provides funding for some of the infrastructure programs that we will be looking uh, for Representative Graves to to fund in the year ahead. Now, it's it the exact funding and how it takes place is something that I'm a little confused on. I'm looking for some clarity on this, but uh, it, it's something that we're trying to figure out as we go forward and exactly how. The funding available through the the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act might be happening. Okay, it looks like we might have Representative Graves here for the last couple of minutes. Are you there, Congressman? Yeah, doesn't sound like he's there. Uh, he may be, it it may be an issue in reverse force now. Working on it and trying to get the issue resolved. Yes, sir. Yep. So we're we're trying to get that resolved, but. Uh, it's one of those deals where you look at uh, 
the funding that's available for some of the infrastructure projects out there. And it just feels like we've got the funding available. We need to see some progress. And and progress at this point can be plans and f- making funding available to initiate efforts on some of those plans. But as things stand right now, uh, we're, we're going to wait for an update on that as well. And, of course, uh, an- another issue that everybody is wondering about are the balloons. Hopefully, uh, we're going to be able to uh, reroute some of the technology here before the end of the show. And when we talk with Senator Marshall in the final segment, we'll be able to ask if there has been an update on some of or a briefing, at least, on the last three balloons that were brought down by NORAD and whether or not that is going to be uh, uh, some information that that the White House and President Biden is going to make available to us before too long, because this is something that I know a lot of Americans are wondering about. What exactly is the status, was the status of those last three balloons that were shot down? The White House says they were taken down because they were floating around in at a level that could create some, some um some danger for civilian aircraft uh, pretty sparsely traveled aircraft up there on the North shore of, uh, of Alaska and over the Yukon, but nonetheless something that we have to watch out for. Okay. We've got Brian Grady coming up next with a market minute and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get Dan Bossy in here. That's next on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And hopefully joining us now is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Not a whole lot of action in the grain markets here today, but I would like to get Brian's opinion on what's going on. Brian, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got fractional gains going on in the corn market, just slightly higher in the market there. Mixed trade happening in soybeans, which is really no surprise because we've got soybean oil that is trading slightly lower bean meal that is trading slightly higher we've still got the bean meal market trading above in the march contract trading above 500 bucks a ton that is uh that's the kind of price action that the soy complex is going to be looking for for support in the soybean market but the little bit of pressure that we've got on soybean oil we talked about it with michelle we've got some pressure on crude oil futures that is probably putting that pressure on soybean oil 
wheat market is trading to the upside again. We've been doing some things in this wheat market that are kind of changing the technical tone of the market and certainly suggesting to me that we're, we're, we're getting some spec money, some, some speculative money back on the buy side of that market. Over in the livestock trade, the cattle complex, we've got some pressure here today. A uh, little bit of strength in the corn market might be putting pressure on feeder cattle. But, hey, uh, we had contract highs in the live cattle market yesterday. Just a little bit of profit-taking going on there. I know the expectations for the cash trader that we're still going to be higher this week. And then over in the hog market, follow-through buying to the sharp gains that we saw yesterday is very encouraging. All right, hopefully we'll have Dan Bossy here in one minute. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on Agritalk with Chip Flory. All right, welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Uh, maybe... It, it may, I may be the, the guest, the host, the everything coming your way today. It's, it's kind of a, uh, a technical, technically challenged, uh, uh, talk today. Uh, it, it's something that, that we're working to resolve as quickly as we can. Hopefully we can get there. We've made connection, but boy, the audio connection that we've got is, uh, is a little too rough right now, uh, to make it work. Um, okay, so Dan Bossy is uh, is hopefully going to be uh, jumping on here with us in uh, in just a second, and we'll see if we can get uh, the audio connection worked out with him. Let's go ahead and see if if we've got Dan. Dan, can you hear me? Okay. Um, it it's kind of a like I said at the start of the show, when, when technology works, it's great. When it doesn't, it leaves your host hanging for just a little while. But we're going to go ahead and talk about some of these issues. Um, and what I wanted to get Dan on and talk about today was the, or is the, is the situation in Ukraine. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary. Remember what was going on a year ago right now. Uh, we were still in the will he or won't he mode when we regarding President Putin's plans to invade Ukraine. So we, we know what happened. He did. And as we come up on that one year anniversary, it feels like the aggression is ramping up in Ukraine again. We continue to move grain out of the Black Sea region. We're wondering just how fast and how far that that is going to happen. Uh, but we are going to see is, uh, is, is if that program is going to continue. As things stand, the last we've heard is Russian, Russian President Putin has, says that he can't... Uh, is that he can't figure out why they would continue the the agreement to export grain out of the Black Sea. 
Let's go ahead and try Dan Bossy again. Dan, if you are out there, go ahead and give me a holler. Hello, Chip. How are you today? Hey, well, you know what, Dan? I'm better now than what I was 10 seconds ago, seeing as I can I can hear you. Dan, I'm just going to jump right into it and, and let you go for here, uh, go for a little bit. Give us a status update on what the situation is in Ukraine. It's tense. It's the tensions are getting higher. Uh, the Russians seem to be more adamant about maybe closing the, uh, the corridor and not allowing the agreement to go forward. The rhetoric is pouring forward from whether it's the deputy economics minister or the foreign minister. Lavrov still has not uh, commented yet what he's the prime minister, but I think he's key because he is the one that pushed and positioned Russia to be part of the Black Sea Corridor. I'm not sure he's completely made his, up his mind yet what to do on March 19th, which would be the expiration. But as the war is reaching new fever pitches, I think we need to be a little more worried and the market has sensed that. And uh, I would give you about 50-50 odds today that the corridor either stays open or closes by my contacts there. Uh, the one thing I will tell you though that seems to be assured is no matter what happens with the war, Ukrainian farmers will struggle to get seed in the ground. So we need to be thinking about 40 or 50% less wheat and less corn at least in the crop year ahead. Okay. Dan, on on what would be, what is Putin's uh, motivation to end that grain uh, export agreement? It, is it just to escalate the conflict and, and, and escalate it on a global, global uh, stage? Well, the military strategists would say that Putin needs to reinvigorize his Black Sea fleet, and he needs to take a stronger hold across southern Ukraine if he's going to make his, his push uh, east and north. So I think that may be some of the psychology behind it. And I think also that, you know, the Russians are looking at the amount of grain that's flowing to Europe, uh, countries that are not part of what we would call the impoverished uh, 10, which are on you know, sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia. And because of that, he feels that this grain is being misused. He's also claiming that indeed uh, Russian uh, sanctions are, are hindering grain because of high insurance rates, because of high freight costs. But, but again, I think uh, the UN and US will point to him that Russia will export a record amount of wheat a record amount of sun oil and a record amount of barley in the upcoming year. In fact, all Russian egg, egg exports combined will be record large. And so it's hard to say that they're being encumbered when you have that kind of pace. Now, whether this is posturing chip uh, ahead of negotiations is difficult yeah. to, to, to gather, but there is definitely a different air in the room than when we were talking back in November. Dan, Dan how, how is Russia... Um, financially supporting their efforts in Ukraine. Where is the revenue coming from? You would imagine it's coming from record agricultural exports along with record petroleum, or not record petroleum, but slightly less than that, petroleum exports. Russia will cut their petroleum exports by a half million barrels a day starting in March, but it's that revenue that comes from exports abroad, which is producing the hard currency. Now, the Russian ruble has declined sharply. Uh, we are now back to where we were before the war. And so that is giving them a little more in terms of rubles. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're struggling economically 
And, you know, people in Russia wonder if they can go another six or nine months. So there seems to be some urgency, both in terms of the West and, and the arms and the uh, money that's flowing over. And then on the Russian side, because, of course, they're struggling and finding the materials to make the bombs, the missiles, everything else is becoming in very short supply. Okay. When we talk about short supply, uh, not just inside of Russia or inside of Ukraine, and I want to get back to that that idea of how much less production we can expect out of Ukraine. But what about the flow of fertilizers out of the region and and the supply around the world? Is is that happening? We never did get that ammonia pipeline open for uh, to go across Ukraine. That did not happen, even though the Russians were trying to push for that. So that's one of the items that I'm sure will be on the Russians list when they ask for a, uh, a diminishment of sanctions uh, in the new negotiations with the UN. Um, other than that, there is there are exports moving through Belarus and there are exports moving through Russia. As you see, uh, world uh, fertilizer prices are declining. Of course, the Brazilians have not been very active yet in booking uh, the fertilizer needs for the winter corn crop, but we would imagine that'll kick up into a higher gear here very quickly uh, as you think about uh, the time frame uh, of seeding that's now passing. So other than that, Chip, I think that uh, overall, the fertilizer market will continue to relax, but the Russians still want to produce more because they do have this need for hard currency. Okay. Okay. Uh, 40, you said 40 to 50% less production from Ukraine in the year ahead. What does that do to global grain flows? Well, it's going to be a problem. I mean, uh, we're going to look back and find out that uh, Ukraine probably exports five or six million tons less of wheat. Uh, corn is a little more difficult because they're going to have some area carry in from old crop this year. But nonetheless, I'd be thinking about, you know, corn exports from this crop here uh, being down somewhere between six and eight million tons on corn. So someone needs to make that up. Uh, globally. And, uh, you know, R Ukrainian farmers are struggling with $30 a gallon gas, uh, diesel fuel and gasoline. Y you just don't go out, of course, and, and, and produce big crops with that. And then they can't find seeds. So as I talk to Ukrainian farmers that we're connected with, all of them say the same thing. It's too late. They can't get what they need. And indeed, they're going to be planting less and they're going to be trying to do more with less. By that, I'm saying they may get seed in the ground, but it's surely not going to have the chemicals, nutrients that you and I would give the crop in terms of care going into the seeding program. That supply out of Ukraine is something that is going to continue to be a, a a moving target, and we're going to keep close eye on it, uh, no question about that. Okay, I want you to go to Brazil with us real quick. Give us an update on the on the soybean harvest and the planting of that winter corn crop. The soybean harvest is moving along quickly. We've uh, gotten a spate of dry weather. Mato Grosso should be uh, reaching past the 50% mark as we're talking today. Uh, corn seeding is, is falling behind. They're still you know, probably 10 or 12% behind normal or behind last year's rate. And so you know, there's, there's some catch up to be done there, but it's not, it's not uh, days yet where we start to make yield adjustments. That wouldn't happen until the last half of March. Nonetheless, yields are coming on soybeans out of Brazil, uh, very strong, near record in many cases. Uh, we have comfort around 154 million tons, and we think that number could rise. If you notice today, the Brazilians dropped their price in the export market to 10 under the Chicago board. And so if you look the difference between the Gulf 
and what the Brazilians are offering for soybeans, that difference today is about $1.20 a bushel, $1.10, $1.20, depending on who you talk to in the time frame for the uh, March, April, May time frame. So, you know, there's big discounts in Brazil with the size of soybean crop that they have. We expect that that will continue. And you're also going to see an elevated movement of soybeans down the Parana River corridor, as we call it, into Argentina so that they can be crushed. That'll be starting in some abundance as we get into the last half of March. Dan, excellent update, my friend. Thank you so much for making time for us here this morning and dealing with our technical difficulties. Uh, really appreciate you, my friend. Oh, it's good to be with you, Chip, and uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Be well, my yeah, friend. Yeah. Excellent. excellent, excellent. Thank excellent. you. That is Dan Bossi, Ag Resource Company. Okay, uh, stay tuned. When we come back, we've got a lot of ground to cover with Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Willowwood Glypho 6, as low as $28.97 a gallon tote price when you pay cash and build a maximum qualifying FBN acre pack at fbn.com slash direct. Ends February 28. Prices subject to change. TNC apply. All right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. It's been an interesting ride so far on this morning show. Thank you so much to Dan Bossy for Oh, man, jumping through some hoops and, and getting on here with us uh, uh, for part of the, the last segment. Really appreciate that effort there. Okay, we are, we, we're in the process of um, getting Senator Marshall on the line here. Uh, real quick, uh, as, as we're working on that, I, I, do want to, uh, I do want to talk about something that Michelle had in the news this morning, and that was the Consumer Price Index for January up 6.4% on an annual basis. Now, that was steady with December. That was steady with December, but it came in hotter than expected. So cue the line from the White House that there is no inflation. We're steady month to month. I don't know anybody that measures it that way and, and lives that way there. There, that's the most important thing. I don't know anybody that lives on the month-to-month. It is the year-to-year. Does it cost me more now than what it did a year ago or even three or four months ago than to, to make my trip to the grocery store? I'm telling you, I made a trip to the grocery store last night. I did not buy all that much 
But when the bill comes up at $127 and I'm walking out carrying the bags in two hands. Now, okay, I will admit there were some flowers in there, that, but the flowers were like 14 bucks. Okay? But still, I'm walking out carrying $127 worth of goods from the grocery store in bags that are in two hands. It's kind of crazy. Okay, let's try to bring in Senator Marshall. Senator Marshall, are you there? I'm here loud and clear from the nation's capital. Good morning. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad that you are here. Okay, I want to jump right to it. It is Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas. Uh, let's start with the farm bill. Uh, last week's hearing on crop insurance. How did that go? Did we learn anything? I'm not sure we learned anything, but I certainly, I, I think every every other senator that's on that committee understands that crop insurance is the priority. This is the most important uh, issue of the Farm Bill, crop insurance and the Title I funding. And what we're trying to communicate, if, if hopefully they learn something, that this isn't just important to farmers, but crop insurance, Title I funding is one of the reasons that America has the most affordable, safe, reliable food in the world that we're spending, you know, maybe seven, eight percent of our GDP on food versus most developed nations are spending twice that. And one of the reasons we can keep those prices down is that crop insurance allows us to plant next year's crop. So I think I use this more as a, as a educational opportunity, uh, not just for the people that are listening at home, but more so for the other senators who are maybe from a more urban setting to know why it's so important. And of course, it even affects you know, the SNAP dollars. 80% of yep. the farm bill goes towards SNAP. Uh, the nutrition dollars, then without that crop insurance, we're going to be spending more money, like you were just describing, for a yep. sack of, gro of groceries. Yep. Uh, Senator, it's such an important point that you were making because it, with with the audience that we're talking to right now, or most of the audience that we're talking to right now, they understand the need for crop insurance. Urban taxpayers have to understand that crop insurance is food security, food security, and this is more important than it has been in quite some time with everything that's going on. Food security is national security, isn't it? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, you, know, you, you think about uh, what's going on across the across the world. Americans take it for granted that we can supply our own food. We can supply our own energy. But many nations don't have that same uh, opportunity that, that we have. So yeah. whether it's feeding our, our own soldiers here or feeding people across the world, how we use food to help introduce America to, to other nations is just a, an amazing yeah. concept. And it's been a big important thing to Kansas. Previous senators, Bob Dole, Pat Roberts, huge champions for food yep. for peace as well. So yes, it is absolutely part of our national security. Right, right. Uh, I want to change gears on you and go to WOTUS and the resolution of disapproval. What exactly does that mean? Well, this is our way to push back on, on the Biden administration's over-interpretation of waters of the U.S. Look, I remember in the 1960s, my grandparents making terraces to help promote soil conservation. And now the federal government wants to regulate the, the runoff from, from those. So what we're doing is pushing back on the federal government and, and, and I'm trying to share our stories. Look, farmers and ranchers were the original stewards. You're over-interpreting waters of the U.S. It makes it not only more expensive to farm, but it makes it more expensive to build roads and bridges, to, to, to put in power lines, to drill oil wells. So all of this is another example of federal overreach. So we're doing everything we can to push back on them. Good, good. Thank you for doing that. Um,
it's really difficult to get information on this next topic, but I feel like I, I need to ask, has there been a briefing on the balloons? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get my wife a balloon for Valentine's Day. That's my <laughs> advice for all Congress members right now. So there was a briefing uh, literally just uh, an hour or so ago. And, of course, it's a classified briefing. What I would share with you that, that I can share is, number one, I still have not heard a good reason why we didn't shoot the first balloon down over Alaska. Number two is that we need our president to go on national TV tonight and address the American people and share what he can share. The frustration is I can't really answer many more questions right now. And what this leads to is more fear-mongering. So I'm yeah. concerned that this president is using this issue to fear-monger, to continue to create chaos, and to frankly deflect from other issues going on in the White House, to deflect from inflation issues, uh, to deflect from the Hunter Biden story, all those types of things. So the president needs to have the courage to get in front of the American public and say, this is what's going on. We need some reassurance. Uh, look, everything's okay. It's not as bad. Uh, okay. your, your worst thoughts are it, are not as bad as what your where your people's minds are going through right now. Okay. Well, that is that is a bit comforting uh, there, um, and you're you are exactly right. We do need to hear from the president, and we need to hear as much as we possibly can about it. Senator Marshall, thank you so much for your time this morning. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Of course, I enjoyed the conversation. Everybody have a great week and happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much. That is Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas. All right, thank you so much for sticking with us here this morning. Come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Brian Grady, editor of Pro Farmer. <laughs>